I'm trying to think how to start this. Sure. You, I, I could hand it to you. Oh, 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 you could hand it to me. Like, a fearful hand. Like a hand of fear. Like the episode that we watched that's number 87 in uh, episode lineup of Doctor Who. I thought it was uh, the hand of yeah, pain. Yeah, you could. Oh, no, that's that's my hands. My hands are painful. Uh, they hurt. Especially well, after we sync clap, they hurt. Yeah. But what happens in the episode, dear? The episode of 87, The Hand of Fear. So it starts off strong. We yeah. get yelled uh, about Eldred at. We're yelled at about Eldred, and it's in space, and something about a snowy planet, and they're super frozen on the inside from what it looks like, and the radio guy even died frozen to death. So this thing answers the radio and goes, hey, the ship is still flying through space. By the way, it's a bomb. Also, this entire area is getting fucked up, so it'll be out of our range at one point or another, and we're not going to be able to control it, so that sucks. But there's a one in like three b- b- trillion, b- trillion chance uh, that the million. dude will be tr- three billion mil- trillion chance that the dude will survive if bombed. But they got to do it or they're going to lose control. So we do it. And then there's some spinny space PNGs, my favorite. Meanwhile, in a quarry, of course, mm. they're bombing some stuff. And then the TARDIS sweeps in at the last second. Sarah's here, they're kind of looking around, they're like, where are we? Looks like a quarry. Well, I know it's a quarry, I've seen a quarry. And I'm like, hee hee. And then they see a man going, oh god, please run. And Sarah's like, oh god, I understand. And they, and they run and a wall explodes. But Sarah is buried alive and probably dead. Uh, cut to Sarah being okay, actually, next to a hand, which she grabs and screams at. And then they pull Sarah out and she's fainted. And then taken away in an ambulance, so off to a hospital, but everything's okay. So... Let's go check on Sarah. She's okay, but her arm won't let go of something. That's weird. Stress, probably. As well as someone is checking out that hand thing, but the, only the doctor is like, mm. Sarah wakes up and we see her that she's holding a ring that's really blue and flashy. So now the doctor is using an electron microscope to figure something out that he doesn't even know what he's looking for, but it's fine. Sarah then sneaks out of her room, finds the hand again, takes it with her, talks about Eldrad, and uses the ring to moita the guy uh, that was uh, checking the hand out and runs. Doctor goes back to the quarry, looks around for a bit. The one dude isn't actually dead. He woke up an hour later, around the exact time the doctor came back to the hospital. But when the dude meets back with the doctor, he's kind of acting weird. And uh, Then they look back at the electrons and it's changed. It's gotten all weird because it's absorbing radiation. Sarah has walked her way to the nearest uh, nuclear power plant. And the doctor also hitches a car to the same power nuclear. plant. But Sarah is like really nuclear. fucking deep inside the nuclear power plant. And they find a knocked out guard and start running like hell before some guards stop the doctor with guns. Sarah is now even deeper in the radiation, opens the door to the opened up radiation area and uh, opens the box, which gives the hand enough power to regenerate and wiggle. So, Sarah's dead, obviously. Wiggly, 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 wiggly. And Sarah's dead, and that's the end of the episode. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, as we kind of established a few episodes ago, this was meant to be the season 13 finale, uh, but 
uh, Robert Holmes was not happy with the script and it needed extensive rewrites, so they went back to the drawing board with it and instead The Seeds of Doom was commissioned. Mm. Um, uh, Certain elements from, like, the original script for this is kind of completely different, like, in so many ways. Um, One small way was that uh, the nuclear power station was meant to be the Newton... Uh, a power complex from the pa- the claws of Axos, if you remember that episode, uh, but no. it was renamed I... to the Nunton Experimental Complex instead in this one. Mm. Yeah, the for those that don't remember, the claws of Axos was the episode of the third Doctor's era, where golden people that live in a giant rubber chicken spaceship are actually vampires that want to sink the steal nutrients from the earth. And the master helps them. Um, uh, yes. Uh, also, Miss Jackson was originally a nameless man. Uh, the, the sort of woman assistant kind of character to the professor. Uh, but the director, uh, Lenny Main, built up the part, sort of buffed it up a little bit, changed the gender, and uh, cast his wife in the role. Uh, which, I mean, you know, a little bit of nepotism, but... Uh, hey, if it gets us more female roles in Doctor Who, I'm fine with it. Because Doctor Who very much struggles to get female roles until the 80s. The 80s, they get more. And a lot more diverse roles for women as well. Although it's kind of stereotypical in a way. Of, uh, yeah. But that's small ways of this. Uh, originally, uh, Eldrad, the alien involved in this, uh, was meant to be uh, their home was meant to be the black hole of Omega. If you remember from the Three Doctors, the villain Omega, his like that's what his home was meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't actually that. It was meant to be a black hole called Omega. And then the script editor was like, "Hey guys, there's already been a name in Doctor Who called Omega." How do you not remember this? You guys wrote that episode? Because <laughs> the two writers on this, Bob Baker and Dave Martin, also wrote The Three Doctors. Listen. So it's like, how listen, did you not remember? Listen, listen I forget things. <laughs> Everybody forgets something. Um, it's okay. I'm not judging. I mean, I guess. But anyway, they changed the name to Castria then. Uh, the story was also meant to feature an aging Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart who had been transferred from UNIT to the Ex- Extraterrestrial Xenological Intelligence Task Force, or EXIT for short, to mm-hmm. study UFO activities. He was to sacrifice his life when he steered a commandeered experimental rocket into an Omegan kamikaze ship to prevent the ship from crashing into Earth. Uh, this plan did not go through, though, as Nicholas Courtney was unavailable for filming, as we've mentioned a lot of times previously where he they've like hey we have a role for the brigadier and he's like okay and then they're like actually we don't anymore and he's like well i just gave up work to do this so well in future if you guys ask me to do shit i'm not gonna fucking say yes Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah the story was bonkers different which is why it had to be retooled from the ground up essentially but it's an interesting story nonetheless but what happens in part two dear does the hand wiggle around a little more yeah, it's really nice. It it even walks a little bit on its fingies. It's pretty good. Uh, also, I guess, 
because that I guess there's more important things in the hand. Uh, everyone ups- is upset that stuff is going down while the doctor is just like, let's go to the control room. The doctor shows up, let's talk to Sarah, and people are like, no. And someone's sent down to capture her, and Science Man goes, ah, yes, Enron. Hmm. And then they call down to Sarah to try to get her to come out and stop fucking over everyone. And she's just like, nah, only Enron. So the doctor and science man run down there and radiation is critical at this point. So Sarah's dead. Uh... Like, she's fucking dead. Sarah goes down to open the even bigger, scarier radiation door and a pinwheel spins pretty colors so she can't do it. Science man goes to kill the doctor and falls off the stairs to his death. Oops. Then the owner of the nuclear power plant calls his wife and goes, hey, uh, for no reason whatsoever... Tell the kids I love them, and I love you, too. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, it's a really, like, harrowing and, like... like It, it, it feels entirely a, like, out of place. Dower scene. It, it does feel kind of out of... It's, I wouldn't say out of place, but it's like, you don't get this scene in Doctor Who. And there's a few scenes like that with this character specifically, where it's like, you don't get this scene in Doctor Who. You don't get the scene of, like, a character, like a side character in the story calling their like loved ones at home because like they they're about to fucking die and then like you know you don't have a character of like like a scene of characters picking up the pieces after the doctor's left like you don't really get those it's 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 weird but it's like i like it like i wouldn't like it if it, if every episode was like this but it's nice to it's a nice way to sort of spice things up a little bit i'd say yeah Okay, so, um, Sarah can't seem to get the door open, and the doctor just kind of falls into the room and goes, Yeah, I love Enron, too. I, I bought some of its stock. <laughs> Knocks her out, leave, leaves with her. Um, and then the they they both left the hand and the magic ring inside the room, and they go into decontamination. Everything is totally A-OK, right? <laughs> Radiation sickness. Sarah's having fucking nightmares on the table, then wakes up very confused. The owner comes down and goes, What the fuck? But for whatever reason, Sarah apparently isn't radioactive at all, which is weird. Doctor explains everything's okay because they asked, but everyone is like, I only sort of believe you in this story. But then they see the hand on the monitor moving and they're like, okay, I believe you, I guess. And they send a man down there to grab the hand and put it in a box and the idiot picks the ring up. Therefore, being brainwashed, he kind of looks like Matthew McConaughey, uh, like a stunt double for Matthew McConaughey, honestly. Sarah is yes, asked to stop double. That's the best way of describing it. Mm-hmm. Sarah is asked to concentrate and goes into a fucking trance, but she's asked about Elron and Enron, and she just keeps talking. Elron Hubbard. Yeah, she keeps talking about Enron and its stocks and down in the reactor. McConaughey is being evil. Sarah is basically unhypnotized, and she and the doctor head back up to the control center. They easily catch on to the fact that the ring brainwashes people to fucking hell. And security calls up and says that the hand is knocking on the door. That's not great. Makane is asked, also asked about the hand knocking on the door, kills the security guard to get the hand, and then the doctor goes down, realizes what happens, goes after McConaughey and the hand. Too bad McConaughey has a key to the giant radiation safe, so they call for a full evacuation, but it blows up in the control room. Everything blows up in the control room when the door is opened. And basically everybody's probably going to die because that's a lot of radiation. If you ever seen Chernobyl, watch it. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it is. Uh, the event, not the show. Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Just go straight. If you straight- haven't watched live footage of, of the Chernobyl like mm-hmm. nuclear power plant like exploding, you should. It's it's you, fantastic. You, you should. It it. I mean, honestly, just go straight. So there. many people died. Yes. Are we terrible people? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> oh fuck. <laughs> Oh god! Actually, watch the show though; it's really good. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. But it, yes, it's like one explodes. of the few things that we agree on, show and media wise. That oh, there's a lot that we agree on. We just <sighs> tend to not. We just tend to not like. The the thing is, we tend to not have, like, we tend to not talk about the things that we agree on because we don't need to because mm-hmm. we agree on it already. Like, it's like, well, we both know we already like this thing. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's, that's it. Um, but speaking of uh, Chernobyl, um, uh, 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 here's something that's completely not related to Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the episode uh, when uh, Sarah is is listen, being released from Eldred's influence, we we do we do have, we have fun here we have fun here. Speaking mm-hmm. of having fun here. Uh, Sarah, after she is being done being hypnotized and the doctor brings her back to normality, uh, and they're like, let's go. And they walk into the next room and Sarah just looks at him and just says, Eldrad must live. And he goes, what? And she goes, just testing. Uh, that's actually not in the script. That was Elizabeth Sladen, uh, pranking, uh, Tom Baker and trying mm-hmm. to get him to, uh, break character and laugh on set. Um, but it seemed so in character for Sarah to do it that the director just kept it in the sh- in the episode. <laughs> Amazing. Um, which I I mean it does fit. Like you kind of don't notice that it's not in the script. Um, mm-hmm. uh, other than that, uh, also in other versions of the script, a key character, Lieutenant Hawker. Uh, was meant to be replaced by Harry Sullivan. He was meant to come back again, yeah. uh, along with the Hand. A Omegan spaceship, uh, also referred to as the Monolith, was now discovered at the start of episode one and became central to the storyline, which is, you know, kind of what happens in this one. Like, a hand is discovered, so that got kept. Mm -hmm. Uh, Serving as the location for the adventure's climax, the separate factions of Omegans were excised. Baker and Martin, the writers, also introduced a new supporting character in the form of a Time Lord named Drax, an untrustworthy Gallifreyan mechanic who wants to steal the TARDIS. Uh, Drax was conceived as a possible reoccurring character, a la the master in a sense. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't in the script mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> in in the, the surviving script, that is. Um, uh, speaking of what wasn't in the script, at one point, I don't think you noticed it, dear, uh, there is a point where a fly is seen walking across the professor's brow in a scene. No, I did um, not notice When he's that. on the telephone. Uh, that fly then flies away, and in an outtake, it flies right into Elizabeth Sladen's mouth, and she <laughs> swallowed it on accident. <laughs> Amazing. Which, I mean, come on. Um, uh, Robert Holmes also suggested that the writers use uh, a lot of crawling hand films as inspiration to sort of, you know, figure out a what a, a crawling hand would do and also figure out, like, the mechanics of it. Um, uh, but, uh, yes, 
that's that's all for now. I'll save some more for later because there's a lot to talk about, but mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil anything in the episode, even though I've spoiled a lot of things in the episode. What happens in part three, dear? Uh, so everything seems to be okay. So they just kind of shut the door. But there's no radiation in here, and that's weird, and everything's normal. The nuclear explosion apparently happened, but it was absorbed by the hand. And McConaughey is dead. Hmm. But the hand's okay. Oh. There's oh. there's some ridiculous noise coming from the inner safe, and now there's a nuclear strike in coming to the spot. Because, you know, if it absorbs nuclear radiation, just nuke it. It's fine. Hmm. But also the door to the safe yep. is now being melted, so that's not good. Uh, too bad a fucking nuke is gonna go to do nothing and give it more fucking power. And the doctor really just wants to watch it, so he stays where he is to watch the the nuke, but the missiles do nothing. And now there's a voice in the safe, as well as a lot of dry ice, and Ron is alive and well, and no longer bankrupt. And they've taken form of a human, so it's time to destroy them, right? Uh, and everybody on Earth. And the doctor and Sarah walk back to the plant to get shit done. Oh, look, the door's wide open, so it's safe. That can't be good. Then Enron confronts them, says, hey, I absorbed those bombs. Why are you not from Earth? And apparently Enron was betrayed and obliterated. It's been like 150 million years. But she knows about Time Lords and uh, mind wiggles the doctor so hard that he falls over. And apparently Castria was given full life and shit because of Enron and then a war started fucked up shit. And then Enron also thinks someone else is here and they go, yeah, it's just us. Uh, see the, uh, as we see the owner of, with a gun, of course, run around who of course instantly tries to shoot Enron when they see her, they run, she attacks, doctor stops her. The owner is like, I shot her so many fucking times. And the bombs, no one's going to believe this. Oh, God. Um, and Sarah doesn't understand why they're helping Enron when they get into the TARDIS. Uh, because apparently nothing can be attacked. Nothing can attack. You can't use guns in the TARDIS, apparently. Um, A state of temporal grace. Yeah. They need to trust Enron here on her planet now because there also there's a hurricane on this planet that's been blowing forever. And in that dome that er- from earlier... Because they've landed on our planet, uh, we see that no one's alive anymore and there's no power. But then we push a button and we get power from the core of the planet, so we're all good. But then they open up a door to go into an elevator to go down and find the others that may be here. Enron gets shot in the fucking heart. Mm, yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's it. Oh, and yeah, Enron, Enron's dead. Yeah. Long live Enron. Yeah. I sure hope you didn't buy any stocks in it. Right. Whoops. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, real quick, I will spoil something. Uh, just because there are other things that I want to talk about at the end. Uh, at the very end, uh, Sarah Jane is whistling a song uh, called Daddy Wouldn't Buy Me a Bow Wow, which makes sense when Dia describes the scene, trust me. Um, uh, Elizabeth Sladen can't actually whistle. <laughs> uh, really? So it's not her whistling. Well, at the time she couldn't whistle. So it's not actually her whistling. It's the director whistling for her. And when you know that, if you go back and watch the scene, it seems pretty, it seems pretty obvious because like you look at it and it's like, that's like the the movement of her mouth does not match the whistling. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can see it now. Um, but it's, I find that weird. Uh, (laughs) there, it also has a, 
fun lead in to um uh the Sarah Jane spin-off show that happened in the 80s which the what? we will actually do an episode on one day um it, they made a pilot it did not succeed uh-huh and it is the most 80s thing ever uh-huh well not the most 80s thing ever but like the most like low budget 80s depressing thing i've ever seen i guess uh it it's 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 we'll watch it someday i promise it's called K9 and friends uh it's not even about sarah jane uh she's not the main character <laughs> um, oh my god it's about okay no i'm not going to we're just we'll watch it then don't i know don't look it up don't look it no, up no i know i know who K9 is yes we haven't gotten to K9 yet yet um yes uh so <laughs> Uh, apparently the director's uh, wife was the, the dog trainer as well for the dog at the end. I, I, couldn't, I didn't read that until just now. Huh. Uh, which, so, that's kind of funny. Okay. Uh, also on for... <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, interesting to me. Possibly not to you. Uh, so, one thing I do want to bring point out is that this story and a whole heap of other stories as well um the key idea in one of the first drafts of the story was that of like fanaticism and science made like fanaticism and science put together were not a good mix sort of science as a process of investigation and questioning has to be open-ended because you know science is always changing our understanding is always growing we're learning new things realizing we're wrong about things etc etc um uh, technology as a problem-solving and user-defined targeting of research limits its own scope. So it's like, science is meant to be open-ended and meant to change and be fluid, whereas technology as a solution is meant to be rigid and not change. Uh, so they are a bit at ends at times. So it uh -huh. leads to characters like mad scientist characters from this period in the show's history, uh, like the ones in The Android Invasion and a few upcoming in a few episodes. Uh, they feature, uh, especially from this era, like, seven out of nine stories feature villains who are either scientists or patrons of the sciences, uh, and are in fact fanatical technocrats. So think back to, like, uh, the brain of Morbius. You have, uh, I forgot what you called him, the scientist in that one, where he's a scientist, but he's also, like, a religious fanatic cult fanatic mm -hmm. uh you have the android invasion where it's Wait, like the, the brain of morbius have... was frankenstein and and igor frankenstein yeah yes but the the character specifically was like he wasn't just he wanted to create a man. actually create his name his is monster cult leader sorry that's right it's <laughs> monsters frankenstein's monster yes <laughs> um but yeah, you'll you have an upcoming mad scientist who's essentially like, he is just mad with power and just an evil person who who just experiments on people, etc. Um, a lot of technocrats. Uh, it's, it, it's impossible to be a, quote, true scientist and be as narrowly obsessive as these loons are in the stories. Uh, the Doctor frequently engages them in arguments about morals, ethics, and responsibilities. Uh, sort of, and yet the nut jobs seem to be the ones with all the impressive achievements. 
in post-war Britain, the harnessing of technology by big business and government uh, was seen to be creating a new form of Mandarin science, incomprehensible to most and beyond the kind of scrutiny that was applied to other forms of spending. Uh, sort of like, um, uh, like if you think back to an episode like the Time Monster, if you remember that one, Third Doctor episode where there is a time experiment going on, and the the minute I'll say this, you'll remember what episode it is, dear, where there is a uh, a Jeez, creature man. that's like a time creature, and it looks like a person flapping around like a chicken in a white costume. Yes. Yeah. So that one uh, in that Tom Tit, it's called. Uh, they they talk about like budget cuts and being audited because you know the the sciences are being cut that sort of thing, uh, sort of all those little autocratic science maniacs in that season especially where it's like basically a crazy scientist has just been given a shit ton of money because they might be able to make a weapon out of it or something like that. Uh, they're working for the government. Um, under Philip Hinchcliffe, we see an extreme version of this with the control of entire worlds handed over to egomaniacal would-be messiahs. Uh, Eldrad's big achievements are to reconfigure the bodies of his people to suit their new lives, to construct an impenetrable shield, and then remove it when things don't go his own way, uh, to lead a tight band of followers away into bunkers, and to attack anything not racially right. Uh, remind you of anyone? Mm. Uh, it's Davros! And Hitler, it's it's a <gasps> Hitler. No, <gasps> a child, <laughs> a child. It's it's a technocratical fascist, essentially. Mm. Um, yet we must remember the Time Lords upcoming. We get more about the Time Lords in a few episodes' time. Uh, turn out to have basically the same thing done by them, uh, by one of their sort of sainted creators, Rassilon. Uh, there is a theme emerging amongst things here, uh, and uh, anyone offering, quote, the answer to it in in their worlds should be held accountable to the people, even in dire circumstances. Uh, the process for playing for high stakes extends to the Ark, like the Ark in space with the, the bugs that converted people, uh, which, a story, which is a story that might have been seen as drawing on British folk memory of wartime evacuations when everyone felt their lives were in the hands of higher powers, where it's like, these people had to just trust the the government and the companies that, like, they would be fine in, in sort of cold storage like this. Because it's like, everyone's in trouble, you just kind of have to trust it, and there's nothing else you can do, you just kind of have to. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story, and it does shed a bit of a light on what Philip Hinchcliffe likes to focus more on in his his era, because we have, like, Barry Letts and Terence Dix, they focus more on societal problems, whereas Philip Hinchcliffe focuses more on either very specific societal things, like uh, governments handing money to technocrats, essentially, or more people themselves, like, more the morals between two people of like, hey, you can't kill people to save one person. That's immoral. And it's like, but this person was great. They were so smart. They saved everything. It's like, but they're a cult leader and they're dangerous and they're a fascist. It's like, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's like baby's first trolley problem kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
you're almost there to an interesting like dialogue between characters, but you don't really go far enough. Um, especially with Eldrad, they could have done. I feel like if you if episodes one and two of this story were just one episode, and then episodes three and four were spread to three episodes, and you had more about Eldrad in his environment rather than you know just this is the aftermath of it all. I feel like you could have done something really interesting, but they just didn't want to. But, I mean, that's fine. It's I still really like it as an episode. But anyway, what happens in the next part? Uh, well, Aneron's okay. Uh, sort of. Only sort of. Because uh, the acid was apparently designed by her. There's no antidote. And it basically rips you apart at a cellular, molecular level. Because she's like rock, right? Um, so they got to get to the based. Re- yeah, regeneration chamber. They're being watched, though, by something. And it knows they're there with very 70s lights. Sarah gets fucking flashed with the light, starts to cough, but it only affects silicon people. So she's fine. They walk, there's a rock slide, they walk more, we're walking on millions of dead bodies, isn't that fun? So the faceless whatever set up, sets up defense procedures, Sarah nearly falls into a really deep hole, they cross the hole by walking over a really big rock, and then they walk more, <laughs> there's a lot of walking, while the doctor steals Enron's ring and opens the door. They set off the booby trap in there, enter the regeneration chamber with Enron. The computer above is going to obliterate anything that can, if it confirms that that's Enron. And we need to figure this out while Enron is dying. The computer is having trouble because it doesn't have enough power. Uh, good, so oh, no. it's probably not going to get destroyed or they're not going to destroy them. Good news. The doctor basically killed Enron by accident anyway. But the door opens nearby and another Enron walks in asking for the doctor. And they're like, why are you you and not the girl? And uh, and it's just like, OK, cool for a bit. And then he laughs and uh, talks about taking over the entire universe. And they're like, oh, did we just fuck up? <laughs> uh, Rokon. Another rock is messaging in and goes, hey, you can't win. Fuck you. Enron wants to con- conquest everything, apparently. The TV? Now we realize. Yeah, the we TV. Fu- oh, that it's makes a sense. TV box set. That uh, makes sense. That's why it's... A, <laughs> that's, 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 that's why, why it comes on that's the... <laughs> that's why it comes on the screen. And then when they're like, oh, here he is. It's not actually there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's still there, but it actually died a long time ago. Enron wants apparently to conquest everything, so we realize we fucked up. So Enron goes to talk to Rokon, Roku, but he finds that actually he's just a very dead rock, and it was a recording. <laughs> the doctor is like, where's your people if you're king? And he's like, in the race bank. And that still feels really fucking bad to say. <laughs> so everyone is going to yeah. go and conquer the universe, right? Nope, there's nothing for them. Uh, Rokon calls back on his recording and says, "There, we thought you might return, so we basically just all died and killed everything in the race bank. So, haha. Aldrad's very sad now and also angry, and he's like, okay, let's go take over Earth instead and use them to rule the universe. And Doctor's like, nah, I also have your ring, lol. So he fakes throw, throws it into the race bank and they run away. 
And then they take his scarf and trip him when he runs past them into that really big hole that Sarah almost died in. And also throw the ring in there. Also, he's probably not dead. So I don't know why they threw the ring in there. It's fine. Um, back to TARDIS <laughs> and away they go. He, uh, The TARDIS is also fucking around because the temperature might have messed with something. Sarah is like handing him tools and she's like, I don't know why I'm fucking with you. Like, I di- almost die all the time. I'm sick of being shot at. I'm sick of being cold. I want to shower. I feel disgusting, which I know how that feels. So like mood. Uh, and the doctor is, so of much. course, not listening to her. And she's like, "If fine, I'm just going to leave. Like, you're not even talking to me. And she goes to leave. And then a doctor gets 70s brain fucked from Gallifrey. All the way from Gallifrey. <laughs> and we can't take Sarah there. So we should probably get her back home. So this works out. And then Sarah comes back. And she's like, wait, you're going to Gallifrey? I want to go to Gallifrey. And the doctor's like, I really can't do that. So they land in London outside of Sarah's home. And it's just kind of awkward and a little bit sad. And she's like, okay, bye. And then the TARDIS swooshes away. And Sarah realizes that she isn't even in her hometown because the doctor is a fucking idiot. And so she talks to a dog for a bit and then walks off whistling. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go. That's, there you go. That's it. Sarah's gone. Yep. So, it's funny you say he's probably not even dead. Because... What? There is a sequel to this story. Uh, uh, part, question, part one, uh, he is actually dead. He falls and he dies, that's it. The sequel to this is that essentially another part of Eldrad, uh, from when he was initially destroyed, is found on Earth in 2013 by the Fifth Doctor and his companions. And there's an interesting element to it where, uh, uh, spoilers for Eldrad must uh, live. Uh, sorry, so- spoilers for Eldrad must die. It's called. Uh, it's called Eldrad must die. It's the hundred seventy second uh, entry in the main monthly range series for Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend you go listen to it. It's it's pretty good. It's not the best one in there, but it's a pretty fun one. And it's a fun sequel to this one. Um, the kind of kind of elements of that is that it's not just Eldrad, Eldrad, there's actually another member of his species, and they have, like, a back and forth where it's, like, people are being hypnotized in the same way of, like, either they're saying Eldrad must live or Eldrad must die, because this this one has been tasked with, like, tracking down all the pieces of Eldrad and destroying them so Eldrad can't come back. And it's, like, you have moments where, like, two people who are hypnotized are, like, Eldrad must live. No, Eldrad must die, and they're, like like, hypnotized, like, wrestling each other to get pieces it's fucking ridiculous but at the end uh eldrad essentially comes back again and is like hey doctor you have a time machine uh take me back in time to when i was imprisoned but before i got taken away uh and i'll free myself and the doctor's like i can't do that that's a paradox and eldrad's like i don't fucking care (laughs) and the doctor's like okay fine and so he takes him back to when he's imprisoned on his own planet and the he frees the young Eldrad and is like, now we can conquer everything together. We can change the future. And the young Eldrad is like, who the fuck are you? Fuck you. If I turn into a weak thing like you, fuck you. And kills the older Eldrad. Oh, well. And it's like, why would you? What the fuck? And the doctor's like, why did you just do that? You are such an idiot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. I love it. Um. But 
uh, yes, uh, The Hand of Fear, a, a pretty fun episode, uh, lots to it, a lot of things cut, this is one of those episodes where the episode was completely rewritten, but A, I kind of agree with the rewrites, and B, I feel like the rewrites didn't ruin the story, because there are a few other episodes where, like, uh, the rewrites just make the episode fucking boring. Oh, like it's just a, an absolute mess. Uh, this one, it's not. It's kind of noticeable in some areas where it's like this is just a rewrite, but for the most part, it's fine. Um. Uh, the freeze frame at the very end of part four was uh, a a request from Elizabeth Sladen. Uh, she asked for just a freeze frame instead of you know having it just fade as she walked away, and it was, she considered it like her little leaving present. Uh from the show that, that they would give her and the director was happy to give it to her. Um, uh, but yeah, this is the end of Sarah Jane. Technically Sarah is, uh, in terms of seasons, Elizabeth Sladen was the longest serving companion of any doctor. Uh, she appeared in over three seasons and surpassed Katie Manning as Joe Grant. Uh, but in terms of years on the show, an upcoming companion holds the record. Uh, for playing the character for just under three years. But in terms of actual episodes that they're in, uh, Fraser Hines as Jamie holds the record for the longest serving companion in terms of episodes. So it's like that uh, that Pokemon question where it's like, what was the first Pokemon? Yeah. And there's like four different answers and they're all correct. It's like, who's the lo- who uh, who's the longest serving companion? It's like, uh, there's like three different answers and they're all correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yes... Longest serving companion, some would say the most favorite companion of those. This is very much the era that people think of the most of Doctor Who. Uh, mm. Just the Doctor and Sarah. There are some more people who would remember the next sort of companion and era and after as well. Uh, and then we hit the 80s, which is my fucking jam. But it is the end of an era now. We have. Um, Sarah is gone. I uh, love her, but also I kind of, as much as I love the relationship between the two, I do think it was about time for them to shake things up a bit. Sarah uh, is gone. Now we next... have Hera. What do you think the name of the next character is? The next companion? I'm curious what you think the name is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just curious. Like, spitball with me. Give me three names you think it might be. Uh, I'm gonna say based on what I had to draw for the outfit, I can't name it because it's not English nor Earthian. Um, it is English, Mm -hmm. and it's a name that you know. I know you know this name. Not as in, like, you know the name of the character, but this is a name that other characters and people have had, and I know that you know this. Elizabeth. No. You get two more choices. Terrace, two more chances. Tara Strong. No. One more. Diva. <laughs> I hate that you're actually kind of close with that. <laughs> um... No, go ahead. But the no, I'm not telling you what it is. I told you I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to, 
you'll you'll figure it out when we get to that character. Um, so hand of fear, what do you think, dear? Oh, that rhymed. I'm a poet, but I did know it. Shut the fuck up, you fucking big-footed freak. Uh, five. I, it was, it was not bad. There are parts that I was just like, yeah, okay. The fact that, like, there's actually some massive in me energy from Enron that I'm just kind of like, huh. And it's not yeah, terrible. The, the, there are, there's a lot of aspects to Eldred that I, I, I really like the whole, like, Enron. Eldred is just a woman. Enron, whatever you want to call them. Uh... <laughs> It is is just a woman because they base themselves off the first creature yeah. that they found, which was Sarah, and then it's like they just changed to be a man again. And like Enron doesn't comment on it other yeah. than explaining it to the Doctor and Sarah, who obviously you know seventies mentality are like. I think the one line in it where they where it's like, eh, this is you could construe this as like a little. It bit, was Sarah just being say, like, when did she turn into he? And I'm just like, eh. yeah, yeah. Sarah just like looks at Enron and goes, he, uh, she's a he. Yeah, it's and like just that's like, it. Mm. And then Enron explains it, and it's like it's not the best, but I mean, it's also it not like, worse. oh my god, she she was a he all along. Oh my god, this is so disgusting. God, like it... it's not as bad as it could have been. <laughs> yeah, uh, considering like gestures to uh, any sort of depiction of transgenderism in media where it's like I mean I there are there are quite a number of people who will say that Eldrad is like kind of a a, a great villain especially like woman Eldrad like when they, episode 4 and 5 Eldrad kind of takes a back seat because you know dead for the yeah. most part <laughs> um but woman Eldrad is like kind of kind of a really neat villain mm-hmm. uh and is like i honestly i actually wouldn't mind if they kind of brought eldrad back in the new series in some sort of way because mm. it's like she is absolutely a girl boss she, yes. they could turn her into a girl boss in the <laughs> best kind of way and the worst kind of way which they probably would yeah. but in the best kind of way as well and i would love that yeah i would i would absolutely love like like we're talking like uh 70s style a uh, poison ivy style villain where it's like the villain's not wrong she's just evil about how she's going about it yeah where it's like you know how poison ivy nowadays is like she's not really evil she just is kind of extreme with the, her actions yeah where it's like men are really shitty and she just like punishes them in a sense mm-hmm. um like, environmentalism like that. and feminism Exactly. And it's like with Poison Ivy, it's very extreme, but it's like with Eldred, you could do something neat there too. And mm. I mean, you could lean heavily into hashtag girlboss, but also you could do it in an actual fun way or an actual good way instead of so, just, you know. Yeah. So anyway. She's a woman. That means it's empowering. But, yeah. but anyway, that's that's Hand of Fear. It's a neat story. Uh, honestly, probably a good example of uh elizabeth Slade and tom baker's relationship together as companion and doctor as well as the side characters are pretty strong mm-hmm. but other than that hand of fear sarah's gone bye bye sarah bye sarah uh, next up dear the next episode there are three words the first word is the which word do you want to guess the second word or the third word whichever one i might actually know 
Do you want to guess the noun or the adjective, I guess? I You'll know. know both words. I, I, noun. You don't know? You want to guess the noun. Okay, Her. so it's the deadly blank. Um... Planet? Ooh, you're thinking big. Think a little smaller. Weapon? A little bit too small. Person. Oh, so close. You got it right with the scale, but it's not the deadly person, because that's an awful title. <laughs> it's the deadly assassin. Mm. I would not have I would not have ever have gotten that, but it's fine. I mean you basically did it right when you said planet. I was like too big, and you went okay. Weapon. I was like a little bit too small, and then you went okay. So it's got to be a. Person We're playing fucking like, charades over here yes, now. Yes, but you need to be a little bit more specific. And yep, the deadly assassin. Uh, get ready for the episode where Doctor Who gets a shit ton of lore. Yay! An absolute shit ton of lore. Yay! I'm excited. Are you excited? No. Oh, okay. Well then. Well, I guess we'll just have to see you all next time then. I don't think I'm coming. Bye. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to. Oh, come on. Oh. Maybe. Fine. Maybe. I'll get. I'll. I'll get bath in. I'll think about it. All right. <laughs> Jeez. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time for the Deadly Assassin. Who's the Deadly Assassin? I don't know. Could it be you? Could it be me? Could it be the Doctor? Could it be Gam, goodbye. your mum? Goodbye. It might be your mum. Goodbye. Stop. Goodbye. <laughs> Fucking Christ. It's your mum. <laughs>